I bet you he eventually will write a song like that. Just like, sure. Just like the, about the trains being late. Just something uh-huh. something negative, but it's like not a big deal. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? It'd be kind of funny. Because he's, 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 he's probably re- got the mind for it, too, making deal, something creative about it. Big deal good and big deal bad, and he's yeah. written like small deal good. I want to hear a small deal bad. This is High Decibels. Live music recaps in New York City and beyond. Hey, you people, you're listening to High Decibels, an NYC-based live music podcast. We check out the artists we love at New York City venues and beyond and report back to you. I'm Marlia. And I'm James, and this song is Honeybody by Kishibashi, who we got to see at Brooklyn Steel on Saturday, November 2nd, and who we'll be talking about today. But before that, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and look for us on Reddit at High Decibels Pod for clips, picks, discussions, and more. Also, look for us on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts, which apparently I've been saying wrong. Uh, and subscribe, follow, rate, and review, please. Please do. We could really use uh, the interaction. We love that. We're very social people. We are. We're nice. Uh, we make friends and force them to follow us on Instagram and yeah. hopefully listen to our pod. Shout out to all those people that we did that to this weekend. But it was you know, like, it's there never was like a dozen. It's never just like, okay, so back in the day, I used to do beauty pageants, mm. and um, there'd be these girls who know they had no shot in hell at winning, so they wanted to win something, so they'd be like, well, maybe I could win Miss Congeniality, and these girls would literally come up to me and other girls and be like, and I've never spoken to these girls this whole weekend of the pageant, and be like, may I have your vote as Miss Congeniality? I'm like... Who the fuck are you? I haven't even <laughs> fucking talked to you. How yeah. do I know you're congenial? I know you like to ask for things. So, <laughs> but that's about it. Yeah, we get to talk to, I mean, really what it is, is I talk to people and if they seem, you know, interested, and, and usually they are if they've come right. to the show, um, they're interested in hearing a recap of that show or if they're into music. But I don't just go up to random people yeah, and just right, be right. like, hey, H- Handing me. out flyers. Like, we kind of talk. And listen, also, too, for what it's worth, we don't just talk to people just to get, fo- like, I just enjoy talking yeah, to Yeah, listen, people. we're we're sociable, like you said. We just end up making yeah. friends at these shows anyway. Like We've always done that. And, yeah. you know, this way, you know, we instead of uh, having them follow us on our Instagram, we just have them follow the podcast, basically. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and it, and it is. It's, it's, it's pretty organic. And uh, I just love the idea of meeting people to go to shows with because a Lord knows a lot of and listen, this is what happens. This isn't a judgment, but a lot of my friends are just kind of like not leaving the house anymore unless it's like, unless they're others. leaving um, unless they're leaving the house to, you know, go to like dinner. Happy but hour. I mean, right. But it's <laughs> like they're just not going. So, you know, the more people we can meet, the better. And then if they want to hear our recaps, fucking cool, cool. But it, right. this isn't this is definitely not a uh, we just come out of nowhere. And may I have Grab your you follow by the wrist and make you follow may us? Like, Who the fuck are you? Like you need at least need to like get to know people and, and see if they would even be interested. And so and for so those of you that we've met and, uh, you know, we've connected through a concert or something, mm-hmm. uh, we really appreciate uh your your listens and your follows and uh definitely hope to see you at shows in the future 100 percent. so uh okay anyway uh, another thing i want to add before we get into this show is um it was a very busy week for me uh james was out of town 
uh, last weekend. So we recorded a little bit late. I had a lot going on and there was no time to really like edit out the Jukebox the Ghost uh, episode until literally like today. Today is November 3rd and we released it today. I finished it this morning after a very late night last night. Uh, actually, I was so wrapped up in what I was doing and trying to knock it out um, to then record for this that uh, I completely forgot when I went to order food because I had no time to cook that there could be some problems with yeah. that because on this particular November 3rd this happens to be the day of the New York City Marathon which I'm a huge supporter of I kind of get tired of people bitching about it because it like brings a ton of money in, into the city and and yeah okay it's crowded and loud or whatever but you know I'm day. not gonna I'm not gonna name any specific things but there are plenty of other large gatherings in this city that people are mysteriously mum about mm. uh, that also cause a ruckus but for some reason people really love a lot of people love to pick on the marathon and I don't know I honestly I have a lot of respect for these runners so I felt real bad uh, about what I had to do to get my sandwich <laughs> what happened was I ordered my food and uh, I get a phone call from the restaurant, which is really nice of them. They really could have just been like, fuck, fuck you, yourself. you're not getting your food. But yeah. they didn't, to their credit. And uh, they're like, hey, so uh, the guy's there out in the street. He's got your food, but he can't cross the avenue to get to you because there's a marathon going <laughs> on. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right. I forgot about that. And then so this one's on me. <laughs> so I was like, listen, just tell him to hang on. We'll figure it out. And it was not as easy to figure out as I thought it was going to be because there were cops right at the corner of of my street, but they were facing the runners. So I was like, okay, I just got to be at the back of them. But then I'm looking like there's no way because this was like at the big rush. There's Mm -hmm. tons of people. There's no way I'm going to be able to get across. You cannot make a straight shot. I can't even see the delivery guy. But then there's a gap and I see like a little man with a bike helmet on like waving. I'm like holding. Okay, that's him. I was like, okay, hang on. I'm going to figure this out. So I knew I couldn't cut across. So what I ended up doing here, I just talked about my respect for the runners. I, I didn't feel great about this. I, there was no way I was going to run across, so I ended up ducking under the, the tape, and I ran the marathon <laughs> for, like, a block. <laughs> <laughs> like, I ran it, but, like, slowly shifted, shifted over, across, like, yeah. a slow diagonal. Now I'm going over the medium. Now, here's medium. now okay, so now what I'm thinking is, how is it running back? Because I'm sure you had to Wait, still let run. Wait, well, let me going. tell you. So I run over the median, and then I'm going a little... Uh, a little bit more like uh, diagonal or whatever. I have no number on. I'm like praying no one says it. The runners don't care because they're in the zone and all they care about is that you don't get in their way. So I didn't cut in front of anybody. It was like I was very. I was like I've run road races before. I understand how it works in terms of getting around people. So it took me about a block before I could actually get all the way to the other side. And now, of course. Where I was able to get out, there's spectators right there, and they see this dumbass with no number on, like running in the marathon in chucks, mm. and they're like, he's like Princess Buttercup, like boo at me, and I was oh like, really, I <laughs> felt so shitty. Thanks, New York. <laughs> I did. I felt so bad. I felt like that Louis C.K. bit. He's like, but this is my favorite this is thing. My thing. I this had is what I want to do. I had to do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> but he didn't hurt anybody. That was the biggest yeah. thing. He was like, don't cut off a runner. So he gets to the other side, and the guy was like, probably would have been more annoyed, but he found this all very amusing. Mm. He saw the whole thing. Cause he, had, he was like, there's no way this bitch is going to be able to cross. <laughs> and I did. Like, oh, my God, she's doing it. He <laughs> did. Shit, so I was, like, did. I was like, listen, I just didn't want to make you wait. And uh, so I grabbed the food for him so he can be on his way. Uh, a little bit of extra tip for the wait. And then, uh, so now I'm like, oh, now I got to get back home because mm-hmm. I got to finish the edit and it's cold. I didn't really put like warm stuff on. I just ran out with what I had on. And uh, so then I'm like, there's the cops. So I eat my sandwich on the street. I'm like, well, I got to get back home. So I just like, like a fucking repeated <laughs> the entire process again. <laughs> Duck under the tape. Ran the marathon for a block. And uh, no had to num- walk a block back. With no number on. This time I did not duck near a spectator because I didn't want to be shamed again. <laughs> and uh, got back. So, you guys, this is that is what I did to get this episode done. For you. Because yeah, I could have just stayed out or something. Uh, but I needed my sandwich and I needed to get that recording done. So uh, that was my morning. But you know what? It's there. It's 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 up on our on our uh, Spotify and Apple podcast. So ch- d- definitely check out that uh, jukebox. The ghost one. It's a good one. Um, all right. So Kishibashi, uh, James got to uh, Brooklyn Steel a little bit before me. I don't really we don't really need to talk a ton about it because we mm. have talked about this venue before. Who did we see there again? Well, I mean, who haven't I seen there? But no, no, the no. One we I mean, talked about the was um, the uh, Stranger Things. Right, right, mm. that just happened. Mm. Okay. So, um, but I guess real quick on my end, because I didn't really get to talk from like a yeah. recent exposure to it. Um, I don't know, Brooklyn Steel, I, like I had mentioned before, it's kind of like a Terminal 5, but a little bit bigger and more industrial and, frankly, better production value at this point. Um, high quality, if you see a band there, definitely jump on it. It's a good, open, wide-open venue. It's got a slanted floor, which is always really appreciated and not enough venues have. Um, so that's my two. You cents love on that it. raked floor. You talk about it. It's every so time good. You go. It's like I wish other. I wish other places would do that. It makes so much sense. It's so simple. Uh, praise, praise be to that. Now, my the thing that I'm a big fan of uh, at Brooklyn Steel. Well, first I should say James got a good spot up front, and I mm. uh, appreciated that. Anyway, so then I was like, I have some time, so I went to the back of the bar, um, uh, grabbed a double kettle. Price is pretty good on that. We've already discussed that, though. It's it's you know it is what it is for a uh, Brooklyn concert right. venue. It's it's not, nothing not, nothing special, not terrible. There. But I gotta tell you, whoa. Okay, talk about what I appreciate about Brooklyn Steel. At least on this night, this girl gave me a huge pour. Hell I yeah. think that was like two and a half shots. Yeah, you saw. You I like, did. I saw that like, you walked right up to me. Is that all like, vodka? Holy shit. And it was like yeah. it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I appreciated that. But the other thing, the thing that's a, a steady thing that I appreciate, m- my raked floor is that sound and light board area. I don't know why, but I am like completely it fascinated. fascinates you every time. And, and yeah. you can see, like, the yeah. thing is, is like most venues, you don't see it. It's like away. Yeah, it's tucked in the back there. But and this, this one, is like yeah. right out in the sort open. Sort of in the middle. Right. Yeah. Now, there's it's guarded. But if you are like a sound and lighting nerd. And I am to a point. Doesn't mm. mean I know a ton about it, but it's it's a really cool setup. It's all out in the open. You can see mm. it. It's you know if there's a, a show that you're not, you know, super committed to being up front and you want to watch these guys work their magic, you could stand right there. Right, it's very right behind easy them, and you could look right in, or even right above them, and you could look down right. from that second floor. Yeah, My it's neat. It's kind of nice to just look down yeah. and see it. You know, I don't really know that end of things too well. How they work, yeah. who does it exactly. 
Um, but it's it's impressive to see because there's a lot of craftsmanship that goes into that end of it too, and it's not nearly as appreciated. Right. And my goal is to make friends with someone in there, and for one of these concerts, basically just them be just like, "Hey, come sit here," and then they can teach me about oh, I don't know, stacked speakers and all the other shit I don't know about. I remember I pointed out to you like the curved stack of speakers that they have on each side of the stage. I'm like, what is that called? And we're like, I don't know. Uh, But yeah, so good tech set up there. Um, So the crowd, uh, I would say this is, uh, again, a young crowd as most concerts tend to be that at least we're going to. Mm. Pretty diverse crowd, lots of different types of people. Always uh, nice to see. This was only a couple days after Halloween, so like Halloween does kind of still. St- if it's not on a weekend, it it stretches in the weekend a bit. Right. But there was n- like n- not. Why don't I say there wasn't? There were like a few people dressed up. Right, uh, but not a lot. Not a lot. This one guy, like, uh, he comes up to me and and he's like, "Do you know who I am?" And uh, he has these sort of like mirror sunglasses on and a mustache and i can't believe i didn't pick up on this after my jukebox ago show i was like are you george michael he's <laughs> like no and i was like village people he's like no it's like he's like and then he struck a pose i was like oh freddie Mercury." he's like yeah i was like yeah i knew you were g- doing a gay guy like, <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't figure out just wasn't sure which one you know which gay guy <laughs> he didn't like that <laughs> But I'm I think witty. he's following the podcast. Sorry, <laughs> man. Your costume was... You look good. I will tell you that. Uh, you look good. I just I couldn't quite pin down uh, You're right, which, right. Which, which gay celebrity you were going for. Right. Forgive me. If you had had the crown on, I would have gotten it. And then another guy was dressed up. Well, he had like spiky hair and like some like tight leopard uh, leggings on. He's like, do you know who I am? And I was like... Uh, the guy from Twisted Sister, which wasn't uh-huh. quite right because that's curly hair. And he's like, no. And he was like, wake up. Man. I was like, oh, Rod Stewart. I was like, I knew you were a flamboyant blonde. <laughs> right, right, right. But I couldn't remember. What's I'm that? getting the general What is that guy from Twisted Sister? Dee Dee something? Dee Snyder. I thought you were like Dee Snyder or someone from Guns N' Roses. Or and I was like, oh, Rod Stewart. I was like, if you'd had the the bat the soccer ball, I, I sure. definitely would have would have known. Uh, so yeah, there were a few people in costumes, but really not much. I'm kind of a subdued crowd, I would say. We uh, we met a few people in the crowd who were very nice. Um, I know a couple are following us. Uh, Kate, Charlie, Meg, a trio that had uh, come out to the show together. Real nice people. Mm, Hello to up. you. Thank thanks for the follows. Uh, yeah, and other than, can I just say it now? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, other yeah. than one person next to them who, uh, w- I'll J- say J- it. James said she a was a total bitch. He said a bitch, but yeah. I was like, it was more than that. There was something not right. Right, right. Um, it was kicked off with a line, uh, something like, after the opener, she said something like, uh, so we're gonna die before yeah, you. Yeah, right. So, you know. so here's what I noticed from that because I'm I'm decently perceptive and I know when I notice these things. Those three had been standing there much longer. Yes. Guy goes to I believe get drinks, go to the bathroom, something yes. like that. This lady clearly had friends that were right behind us and they had been around since the beginning too. So I'm like, okay, cool. They got here earlier. She comes over, joins them in the crowd. Sure. The guy wasn't there when she first got there, and she basically took over his spot. And so then right. when he gets back. Uh, he makes his way back. He's like, oh, can I stand behind my friends? She's like giving him some some shit about it. And I specifically heard him say, which is a line that I've used, so I'm good. I'm glad somebody else said it. I specifically heard the guy say, he's like, I'm not just going to give up my spot because you're here now. 
And that's really right. what it was. He's like, yeah, I was away for a minute. but And I was like willing to step up and be like, no, this dude's literally been here since before this band came on. Like right. This guy's been here the whole time. Just because he wasn't there when you showed up doesn't mean you get that spot. Right. So there was some like muscling going back and forth. Her friends looked mortified that she was doing it. And they kept but they trying didn't to, like, say anything. No, they kept trying to like switch with her and shit. And then she'd get like, annoyed where, where she got switched to. Because were, you were like in front. They were right next to me, all of this happening. So in my yeah. peripherals, I'm able to follow along with everything that's going on. And I'm trying not to get distracted because like, I'm here for the music. I'm here for the show. It was really like pleasant, enjoyable music at the yeah. time with the opener. Um and then, like, I guess she steps up, like, right next to the guy, like, real close to him. And then she starts saying to him and, like, his two friends, the two girls that were there, it's like, I'm really uncomfortable that you're touching me. Please stop. Shit like that. And I'm like, at this point, like, I'm looking over because I'm like, I literally watched you push past your friend to stand there next to this guy, literally right next yeah. to him. And then you're going to turn to me like, stop touching me. You're making me uncomfortable. You know, yeah. So this is, I, yeah. yeah, this this lady was. Let's be real. She's being a total bitch. Um, I, you, maybe you're right. There's something off with yeah, her. Yeah, because but, the fact that she said that weird thing before yeah. any sort of conflict started, when things were chill, she was saying things like, "Just so you know, we're gonna die before you." And I was well, because like, so here's what that was. The guy was a little bit taller than her, so he's gonna block her view. Uh, and so she, then she was like trying to say some shit to him. It's like you should let me in front of you because I'm gonna die before you. And what I'm does like, that what mean? The fuck, because she's older, I guess. That would be oh. my guess because he was pretty young. I'd say he was probably like early twenties. What? So I was like, I was like, you mean going to die in front of me? Like I'm going to die before you. She did say it overly dramatically. In front, now. you're yeah, going to die yeah. right here in front of me. You're going to die before us. We're all going to die tonight. Oh, that's what that was about. It was about that her was age. my guess. Yeah, that that was what came to my oh, mind. Oh, that yeah. was so. But, but it's that, so stupid. Yeah, what a weird say. fucking person. And like. her friend kind of like looked at you know, I w- and I'm looking at her friends and I'm just like. Please do something. Right. Please right. intervene. Now, they, like I said, they did try and like, hey, switch yeah. with me. You stand over here, X, Y, Z. And then this lady would be like, no, I don't like it here. I got to move back. Oh, it was just so yeah. odd. But yeah, yeah so it, don't be that person. It, and if one of your friends is being that person, take them away. Yeah. I don't even think we need to say like, don't be that person yeah. because this is somebody who's just this person wasn't right. Right. But I will say to people who are right, who who are right in the mind that have friends like this, like y- y- you need to take control of the situation right. because you're, you're kind of screwing. Yeah. It's embarrassing, up but you're also like ruining <laughs> yeah, everybody else around you's night. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your friend is, is, is not acting, uh, right. I don't know how else to put it. Your right. friend is not acting normal. Agreeably your acting in this social, like thing that we're right. doing. There's a you social go to contract. a social thing. Yeah. There's a social contract. There's a certain way you agree to behave if you're yeah. in a social gathering. This isn't a rowdy show either. This is a show for music nerds and you're being right. obnoxious in it. It was, Take it was, your friend and get her the fuck out of there. It, yeah, it was very strange. She, she eventually did uh, go, leave. go away. Yeah. But, the, but the idea is the TLDR here is that uh, James and I have talked a bit about uh, like you know pushy people and that sort of thing and that's a little bit more common especially at a show that uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, so I'm going to certain genres that attract more basic type people that don't really have manners, mm. uh, just sort of lower class people. You'll find pushing and that sort of thing. But this had to be probably the most bizarre encounter I've ever had other, sure. other than, well, Izu with the, the peeing and the punching in the face. And oh, the, yeah. yeah. That, that was, that I wasn't was there for that, control. though. I just, yeah. But again, that to me seemed like drunk people on drugs mm. and this seemed like someone who just was like 
this is just so weird. Right. Uh, I would just, you know, but hey, listen, don't be deterred to go by going to concerts. This type of this is I've been to so many concerts and nothing like this has ever happened where someone acted so incredibly right. strange. This is, this is going to be what? Episode 16 is the yeah. first time we've ever mentioned some singular person yeah. in the crowd just being, you know, so, uh, we, we've had others that were like, this guy was kind of weird and rude, but this is the first time where it's like legitimately like, no, it this was, person it, was causing a ruckus, basically. Very odd. Yeah. Very odd. And, and, and again, too, I... You know, I, I will say, like, what, going back to the Izu thing, what I was referring to was an incident, and this was a long time ago, where uh, a, f- a friend got peed on <laughs> uh, by some drunk guy who just started going yeah. right right out there, and then... Um, she turns around and slaps the guy. And then the, and then the guy's girlfriend punches punched her, in the, her. Punched her in the face. Yeah. This kind and of thing... And a concussion. And I want to say, too, I'm just going to say it, this is a dubstep show, and uh, honestly, dubstep tracks a lot of assholes mm. it, and especially at a festival when we've been going all freaking day drinking and, and drugging and all of this attracts a lot of assholes who don't who can't control themselves i mean you never expect this kind of thing at a kishibashi show. Right, very right, right, right. very strange but anyway the point is is that listen what, what what we're getting at is that uh for the most part this crowd was great and this was definitely an outlier type situation right. but i don't know it's just kind of a funny story like just something to I'm tell going, at this I'm point i'm going to yeah. die before him thank you for explaining that's why at least i have no idea that. what she meant to be honest she no but I, i'm no, not sure they, she knew what she meant the you idea know? though that it's just like you know what what it, if it was like a respect your elders type right now i understand what the hell she was talking about because i missed everything before it um anyway so we're there okay uh i like to usually get into um venue music ever since um one of our followers, Aaron, made the, the point to me about that, uh, point to us about that. Uh, like, I'm surprised you didn't mention that, da-da-da, at some show or, or whatever, because mm. it's something I never really pay attention to. Um, and again, once again, I did not pay attention to it. I'm realizing that now. I remember when Dreams by Fleetwood Mac came on. Yeah, that was sick. that's a song I love. Right, that's always um, great. But honestly, I Nothing was... Nothing really stood out. I was... Yeah, I it was didn't su- feel out of place or to me. So, I don't, you know, I think that's kind of what it comes down to. I was super distracted. I was getting notes together, taking video, getting drinks, meeting people, catching up with you. And I'm always like, quite honestly, if I know we're going to cover a show, I am a little bit anxious before the show starts because I want to make sure I have my head together and I'm going to be able to like catch everything and fix mistakes from shows past. And the thing about venue music, it's a detail that always slips my mind. It always slips my mind. Um... I will try to be better about that. Do you remember anything about the venue music in terms of it getting us into a particular mood or what no, songs and that's playing? that's kind of my anything? that's kind of my point. Like if it didn't stand out, then that's that's sort of just where it stands. You know, it's like okay. there's really not much to say about it. At least in our case, I don't remember any like obviously you know Fleetwood Mac. That's always great. You know, I'll sing along to that. But I don't specifically remember hearing like anything that sparked me you know what i mean like uh, the only time i really remember venue music is if it's a song that i like comes on you know or if it's like something that i find really interesting going on so it's got to stand out to to even be something that i could really think about to be honest i mean i think it's it's a worthy point that this this listener made to us because i think even if you're not really paying attention like subconsciously it it sets a mood in terms of getting people in a a headspace or whatever but quite honestly i just don't remember what was playing and i didn't think to make a note of it at the time so i don't know i mean people were in a good space for the opener Mm. so i i guess it, it was standard rock music i don't know i don't really know what else to say about that um but you know i'll be uh try to try to be more attentive to that in the future okay so um the opener 
Okay, so uh, our opener this time was uh, Cicada Rhythm, who's a sort of a, how do you want to say, Americana, uh, folksy, kind of bluegrassy act that comes out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, the, the Specifically, uh, the two of them are Andres DeMarcus and, uh, Andrea, I'm sorry, DeMarcus and Dave Chrisley's. So Andre DeMarcus does most of the singing, but uh, uh, Dave definitely, you know, has a has a part in that too. She's got a hell of a voice, could really belt, and also plays the standing bass, which is neat because um, you don't really see that all that much. And Dave uh, is a very talented guitar player on top of that. With uh, when it comes to like finger picking that style of thing, I've played guitar for a pretty long time. I'm not good at finger picking though, so I'm always really impressed when I see somebody that's really damn good at it. And usually that comes out of a bluegrassy sort of a uh, uh, basis in it. Yeah, they seem like they're pretty new. They said that this was their first bus tour. Mm -hmm. um, they also made um, a note of the fact that they were uh, part of the backing band for Kishibashi, mm -hmm. which was true. We saw them later. Um, so, yeah, so they're on this tour, excited about it. I knew from the get-go when they stepped out this was a folk band because the man had, like, a tambourine on his 100%, foot. 100%, yeah. And I was like, yeah. well, here we go. Oh, that's <laughs> the acoustic guitar. And that's I was like, it. there, oh. there's the folk in this. Right. And, and, if I, and if I miss the folk with the tambourine on the foot... I certainly didn't miss it when they had some sort of jug of mystery juice behind uh -huh. them, which turned out to be, I mean, this is just, I can't get any more folksy, uh, some honey from Georgia, from his backyard. Yeah, his own, apparently he's a beekeeper. That so. was being auctioned off for charity yeah. for North Carolina, what was it? Something, I don't, I don't remember exactly, yeah. And I was like, I, I turned to James and I was like, it doesn't get more mighty wind than this. Sure. James has never seen the mighty wind, so we're gonna have to change that. The mighty, a mighty wind, excuse me, is a parody movie done by the same people who did Waiting for Government and Best in Show. That's basically like poking fun at, at folk music. Yeah, spinal just like all folk the, music. The stereotypes are kind of there. Uh, in addition to that, the stereotype of the couple being like romantically involved mm. and you know having to. to they deal mentioned with they were recently that. married. Right. Oh. Uh, but uh, listen, uh, am I the biggest folk guy in the world? No, of course not. But it was fun. It was really nice. It was like pleasant music, honestly. Pleasant. Like it really felt like the kind of thing you could sit back and sip whiskey on your porch with. You know what I mean? It really had that feeling. Or moonshine. Or moonshine, whatever. And top it all off, they're really talented. You know, mm -hmm. you kind of turned to me and you said, I don't really know how to evaluate a standing bassist. No. And I have to agree to that. I don't necessarily know how to do that either. It's not like I'm... I'm uh, super well versed in classical instruments you know i'm a rock guy what, what can i say um but you know i do play a string instrument so i know to watch the hands and i can tell you i was you know it seemed like it was probably pretty pretty impressive yeah james was definitely a little bit more uh enamored than i was it was pleasant to me but there were things that quite honestly uh were not for me um mm. that kicking off on her vocals was what i call and I've talked about this before, indie rock girl voice, which I'm just not fond of. Uh, I thought it worked this time, though. I wasn't. I'm not fond of it. I'm never fond of it. I don't. I don't like it. Uh, I don't like it when guys do it. I don't like it when girls do it. It sounds artificial to me. I. It's like I know you don't speak that way. And there were times where she dropped it, and I don't know if it was intentional or if it was like Kevin Costner forgetting that he's supposed to be English and uh, Robin Hood and and forgetting the British accent halfway through the movie. But I was like, ah, yes, that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear you go good. I don't want to hear that. It's not for me. Um, the dude's voice was fine. Uh, they do sing to each other, uh, which is, you know, a, a bit twee. 
Um, that they're, was tweet. They're cute, but yeah. it's just not. It's just not for me. I I don't know exactly wh- th- that kind of thing is just not for me. It's just a little bit. Little uh, too kitschy. Listen, they're really talented. Like, yeah, mm. I mean, from what I could tell, like. I mean, she was killing out on that bass and stuff, and they have a good at. It's just this isn't anything. Good that harmonies bad. too. I'll throw them. Yeah. It's the. It's th- just not your kind of music. It's too. It oh. was a little too. It was pleasant, and it's not that I don't like folk music. I just didn't like this interpretation. It was a bit sappy in terms of like, well, for example, um, they said something like, you know, they mentioned it was their wedding anniversary, which. Uh, uh, dashed all hopes, right? Because you were you were certainly I was, enamored with yeah, that I was, Smokey I was Alto. Quickly, I was quickly enamored by her, I was. And to be quite honest, I was enamored with her too, but for me it was those 1980s paint-splattered pants. Mm, I mm, was like, those Quite have, the look. Yeah. That's I, a statement up there. I, I was really feeling those, and I was like, God damn, she is real cute. Um, but anyway, so they, they go on to about they're married, and, and then they said something that, you know, I just... <sighs> this kind of thing just grinds my gears a bit. I'm just so gosh darn happy that their songwriting took a nosedive. So they said, uh, fuck, uh, I guess we'll just, we have a single drummer who's got lady problems, and they're like, so we're going to, um, we mined from from that experience uh, to write this next song. And I don't know, that whole idea of like, look how happy we are, and it's just things sure. are so good that we can't even talk about anything more except our love, so we're going to talk about our single friend's problems. And I don't know, that just didn't... Didn't sit well with you? It didn't sit well with me. It kind of rubbed me the wrong way a bit, and, and I don't know that that's a problem. It's just a, a That's just something... Listen, if, you, if you're if you a little bit ugh, about, like, goopy couple stuff, like, you're not going to sure. like this duo. If you love that kind of thing, well, then this is absolutely for you. I mean, maybe if I was in, like, early days of a honeymoon stage but even then sure the being who i am i'm not sure i mean listen i have my like sort of romantic moments but i don't know something about kind of like the uh, b- being like kind of very i don't know that remark was a little bit like over the top for me and that mm. concept and then it was exacerbated by the fact that after they finished this song about you know, uh, a broken heart, which is something that they just don't have to experience anymore. Um, then their next song is about their dogs, which is really cute, but it right. just illustrates the fact that like our life is so good that we're, I'll give you that. We're just going to write about our pets now. And it's like, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I, I need a little bit of heartbreak. I don't know. I, I this is, a, this, well, is a this is a Marlia thing. Music, not country. So this is a Mar- still folk is supposed to be, I don't know, pleasant and like nice and, Twee a little bit the Americana side of but things, but there's so. heartbreak in folk. They did well, it. Sure, it just wasn't their problem, right? What it's not heartbreak for them. Huh? They're just saying about someone else's problem, and I don't know. So if you're if you're like me and that kind of thing just makes you ugh, a lit, you know, you won't like this. But you know, again, if if that kind of thing it attracts you, this is right up your alley. Uh, this and and yeah, but listen, at the end of the day, the tone of it is very good. This folksy chill song they play called the Shallows or Shallows, which I did open this uh section with that was a nice one and i liked her voice a lot better in this one it was sort of almost um a yearning sound Mm. uh, is the best way that i can put it like a longing in her voice or i don't know it was very beautiful Probably longing for her boyfriend when he took two minutes to go to the bathroom and she. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Where are you? No, I'm sorry. I'm being a dick. Um, not boyfriend, husband. Husband. Um, then, uh, oh, 
And uh, and in this week's installment in Mar and James think the same thing. Uh, this song came on and I turned to James and the guy starts playing the guitar. I was like, this intro sounds like glycerine. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, by Bush. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know. And he's like, I was just thinking that. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Like, wait a minute. This Started playing. I'm like, are we really about to get a Bush cover from this folk band? I'm, I'm here for it, honestly. <laughs> I thought that was going to happen. It was yeah. funny. This happens It really now. did sound like it, yeah. This this happens uh, now and then uh, where we're thinking the same thing. Uh, anyway, this song was more uh, rock. I can't remember the name of the song, honestly. It was more rock and less folk. And you want to know something? I uh, This song that they played with this glycerine-like type uh, intro, which I don't know the name of, I like that a lot. I'm not a huge straight folk lover. I'm not a Bob Dylan fan, actually. I said it. I like some oomph. Sure. I like some oomph. And this song had that. So that was my favorite one they did. Um, I truly tried to not let their love annoy me because they do have a lot going for them. Um, when she, like I said, when she drops what, what for me was just some like BS of indie rock girl voice, which at times she did, she sounds absolutely lovely, competent, upright bass player. They harmonize well. Their melodies are sweet and simple and they have this sort of hint of nostalgia mm. in a way. Just that Americana like there, you know. thinking back to a prior time or whatever, a, a better time. Um, it's good romantic music. I'd say it's good organizing shit around your house music, and it's good sex music. So, yeah, check them out. Sure. Cicada rhythm. Not I say bad. that right? C- Cicada. Cicada. I cannot Cicada. say that word. There's just some words that I cannot say. Um, Shout out to their dogs, too, because I'm sure they're very good girls. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, listen, don't get me wrong. It was sweet. Uh, all right. And then uh, we had a little break. And then uh, we had Kishibashi. Uh, I was like going to, I was like, I knew from the get go I was going to enjoy this guy, but why don't you go into a little bit about the band and the type sure. of music they play? So, uh, Kishibashi is the stage name of Kaoru Ishibashi. Usually goes by K as well. Um, he's a member of Jupiter One, which is a band from Brooklyn, uh, a founding member of that. Also played with Of Montreal for a while. Uh, spent some time with. Regina Spector playing for her, uh, but his solo project goes by Kishibashi, and he's a multi-instrumentalist songwriter um, that makes, I don't know how else to put it, he makes weird music and it's awesome. It, it really, it's just so different from anything else out there. Um, like, you look at the Wikipedia, we were talking about this before, um, like a couple hours ago, where like, it's really tough to say what he is, to, to put in like a single genre like that's this type of music and and you know not every band needs to be like that but then it makes it harder to describe a band so on his on the wikipedia it says indie pop indie rock psychedelic pop electronic experimental i mean sure he's all of those things but the easiest thing to say is like he's experimental music and that that is such a wide range too you know and i hate the word like avant-garde or some shit like that no i'm not saying that stuff but he is like really different because he includes a lot of classical elements into it um all kinds of he sort of fuses all kinds of genres on top of it all um he one of his more famous things is that he's a violinist he's quite talented at it so he often plays the violin on stage uh which is not something seen super often in you know most rock if you could say that sort of bands because he's got a rock bass to him um a little bit of psychedelia, which I'm always I'm always alive for. So what we're getting at is he's really different, and you got to be into weird music to like Kishibashi, because even though he's got this sort of almost pop bass to him, that's just the rest of it is just not as 
um, accessible, I guess you could say. You know? I, I want to add to that. Um, I'm in a bit of disagreement about accessibility. I find this music, and let, like just let me finish this. Um, I find the accessibility to absolutely be there. I find this music to be very accessible, and that's why it's very much pop to me. Um, you know, yes, there's there's a, a rock band or whatever, but it doesn't have like that sort of like typical, like, like a sort of rock sound to me. It like definitely sounds more pop and happy and upbeat. Um, that being said, uh, I also like would probably wouldn't find myself using the word experimental because I have always e- associated experimental with avant-garde, meaning weird stuff that's a bit uh dissonant or atonal or whatever and that wasn't really yeah, what was he's, happening he's definitely not any like there's no dissonance or atonal or anything now, like that here does yeah, he ex- sure. does he experiment absolutely yes he does and he even experimented on stage in front of us which we'll get to mm. but um even so it's experimental in the way where you might watch a YouTube video and you see someone do some interesting things with some instruments that you know you aren't familiar with or things that become instruments that you didn't know, but it mm. still has a very accessible sound. So that's where the experimental part comes into it. Right. Um, and um, the important part of this in terms of understanding exactly what we were listening to is to say that uh, Kishibashi has a very accessible type pop voice um a bit uh in the um uses his head voice a lot sort of in the nose it sounds almost like robert smith from the cure quite often um you're hearing a lot of different instruments uh which seem like they wouldn't go together but they do you've got a flautist you've got him on synth sometimes him on guitar often he's on violin a banjoist who often sometimes uses banjo as percussion uh was there a drummer uh, of course, yeah. Drummer. Oh. There's an upright bass. There was a guitar Guitarist player. in the back. There's yeah. just like, oh, and the guy that played the banjo also played like electric bass. Right. But so I'm saying there's all these different instruments going on. And honestly, uh, what I was saying to James was like, if this wasn't so up, so modern and up to date mm. and, and, and if it veered off a little bit more, it's like almost would. And it was like a a crusty old white guy singing like this would be like brog rock mm. i mean that was like it was it, there is a level yeah of if the rhythm if the drums were just a little weirder then it right. would be prog so, rock so i would say overall to me like this music is definitely pop but it's because of the level of experiment experimentation that goes on indie let's say i like that psychedelic pop descriptor i like that because it it uh definitely does have those elements of the wandering that you'll find and the smooth harmonies that mm. like I remember a time where all five of them were singing which was like very beach boys honestly these multi-level harmonies and um so yeah like a level of weirdness and uh something to twist your brain about make you think and take you on a trip but it doesn't go too too far away the mm. accessibility is there and that that's what I think was key so now to before we go on, I still want to talk about the rest of the band. Uh, yes, because uh, it was really a backing band. Kishibashi is obviously his solo project. Now, unfortunately, I'm not able to find the names of everybody that we saw on stage outside of uh, the two members of Cicada Rhythm who did come back out there to join him. The one of prominence is uh, a man that goes by the monochrome Tall Tall Trees. 
uh, real name Mike Savino, and he's considered a banjo savant and like one of the apparently like one of the all time greats right now. That's like pushing the extremes of banjo music, which you know you don't really think about, but yeah, cool. Like we basically got to see this guy that's just like an all time great at at what he does. Um, he's known to to basically do a one man band like indie folk kind of psychedelic bluegrass kind of thing. Which super cool. Um, like I did not know that until I started doing some research on who we saw there, and so now I'm super curious about it because it sounds like something that I'd. Probably I'd love really to see enjoy. him live. Yeah, I think it would be really cool. I don't know how much he tours. I guess we got to look around. Clearly, he's touring with Kishibashi right now. Um, and Kishibashi would like call him out. He kept saying "Tall Tall Trees." I'm like, who the fuck's that? Like, uh, what's this guy's name? And he goes, "Oh, that's that's the name there." So I had to look into it a little bit. But uh, yeah, he's just a member of the traveling band, really, and he also does his own thing. And I guess he's from Long Island too, so you know, chances are pretty good he'll do something out here sometime. Right. Honestly, I haven't heard banjo playing like that uh, since I saw Noam Pakelny. He's he's one of the best. Mm. Uh, and and this guy, yeah, definitely like rivaled that. So the idea here is that you're seeing a lot of different instruments that seem like they wouldn't go together. It seems like it'd be experimental and mm. weird and not melodic and not something you can dance to. And that's not what happened. This all tied together in a very light, accessible uh, sound. And when it did get experimental, it was never anything that was so off the rails that your average most uh, basic person would not find it enjoyable would sure. be confused or would want to leave because the music the musicianship of, of every single one of these band members was at such a high level uh, that you couldn't help but um, but be engaged and there was a lot of soloing going on and, and when they but when they did solo it wasn't like some sort of free jazz thing where they just like they definitely stayed like within the key that sure. was playing and that sort of thing so uh yeah psychedelic for sure pop for sure that's what i'm going with psychedelic pop okay anyway um he comes out and uh you know i as you if you've have listened to this podcast before you know i'm just very blunt about um, what I see or whatever in order to give honest assessments so that you'll fucking trust me. He's a bit of a chonk, but I, I, I love that. Mm. I love it. It's just so cute. I don't listen. I'm not trying to like infantilize the guy, but it's cute. I mean, he's just so, so cute. He's a cute face, cute body, like just cute. Um, cute m- mohawk adorable guy that just rips yeah. it on the violin i feel i feel it feels it feels advanced i don't mean it that way. i just find him so charming like just so darn cute well uh, listen that goes towards uh, uh musicians charisma and everything that's like the that, thing you know? he's so charismatic yeah. and this was before and i'll get he just into seems it. like a f- super friendly nice fucking guy right you know i, and I hope in- that's not a stage act but you know if it is then it worked on me last night I will get into this later. There was more about him to love than just the fact that he's cute and charming and upbeat and has a happy personality. I will get into that. There's a lot to love about this guy, but f- but my initial impression was just like he is adorable. He's a fantastic dresser. Uh, he has a ton of charisma. He has an energy that pulls you right in, and he's a great musician. These were my initial impressions, and I was just hooked immediately, and I didn't really know anything about this guy. Uh, the first song that they did uh, was gorgeous, and I actually got like a little bit of a tingles from it. I was like, mm. I didn't know this was going to be this good, and that song was called Marigolds. Uh, immediate love him and his energy. Oh, just side note, like, how did you know about him? Where'd oh, you Kishibashi? find him? Um, 
Yeah, so I guess we should caveat this real quick to say that we're not, like, I, I found this guy. I bought the tickets for this. I'm not... Mar had no idea before I said, let's go see Kishibashi. I'd heard his name, yeah. and he was good. And I'm was not going to pretend that I'm, like, a deep fan where I know everything about him. I know a couple of his songs. They come on, like, playlists that I like. Um, surprisingly, they come on, like, workout playlists. And, and oh, they're, like, they're okay. really good music for, for that sort of thing. So I've already, I already knew a handful of his songs. Um, he's got a pretty, you know, what, four albums out on his own. And we'll throw out real quick, the, the most recent one just came out in May. Uh, it goes by o- Omayari. That's his fourth one. Okay. And apparently that's linked to a, a documentary movie that he's made about Japanese internment that should be coming out yeah. later next year. So keep your eyes peeled from that. It's also it's a pretty damn good album. Um, but, yeah, honestly, I just kind of. Spotify. Yeah, Spotify. Answer. Listen to it on that. Um, but, yeah, I just like I kind of knew a couple of his songs. And, you know, I use a couple apps, Soundkick, Bands in Town. And if I follow somebody on Spotify, they link in basically right. they, if, if anybody you spot, if you link it to your Spotify, anybody that you follow on there, uh, these apps will, will alert you when they announce a show in your city. And he came up and I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. I want to see Kishibashi. Like that sounds sick. Basically that's what it was my decision making. It was really one of those things where it's like, I know of this guy and I know it's going to be a cool show. Right. All right, let's go to it. So then uh, we had our second song. Uh, I'm pretty sure that this was like we're not like I guess we we don't know his we said we said we don't know his music from top to bottom, but pretty sure that this is F. Delano, mm. um, which he said was the second track off of his new album, right? Right, you know? right. Uh, was this the time where he said something? I can't remember if this was when. When did he say the thing about like my mom said this should be on the album and I was like disagreed with her and then it turned out to be a really good decision and I was like listen to your mom. Yeah, and, and he, he laughed like, at that. He heard that and laughed at it, yeah. And he was like, I should listen to my mom. Um, anyway, Aftalano, uh, not sure if Kishibashi's mom was was responsible for getting this one uh, on the album, but uh, shout out to her. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you if you were. It was so happy and upbeat. I absolutely loved it. And it was just like such a showcase for uh, Kishibashi's energy. Um, oh, and then he had mentioned something about how he used to live blocks away from the venue, right. which is kind of cool. So he has a connection to the area. Um, I don't know. There was something about this from the get-go that was sort of that quintessential, like, I'm up here doing what I love. Right. And I love seeing that. And this not is every, very not much every the music that he likes. He's yeah. not trying to make a hit. He's trying to make music that he likes, and he's just happy that everybody else seems to like it, or a lot of other people seem to like it, too. And that's that's yeah. the best kind of music out there. Like not every act conveys that. No, of course like, not. Like, I'm thinking, yeah. like, oh. you know, who I may have seen recently. I mean, I th- felt like Tudor Cinema Club. They didn't seem like they were having a bad time, but it was like they were up there and they're doing their job. You mm. know what I mean? But now and then there's these bands that are just like so clearly just pleased as hell to be doing what they're doing. I love that. Um, The third song they did, uh, Hey Big Star, which had this sweet bass line. Yeah, he really ripped on that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that was that Tall Tall Trees guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was funny because it really had this disco feel and I didn't say it, I just thought it and someone around me, I don't think it was you, I think it was one of the people that were standing next to you like, this is so disco and it I really definitely was. said that, so I don't know was if you heard you? me say that, but, okay, like, but that's yeah. a disco beat right there. We've talked about on this podcast before about how we feel like we're hearing like a lot of disco influences coming out and uh, new music lately, so that's kind of cool. I was also kind of musical theater-y as well, which is like the pop musical theater-y. Theater. Uh, You know what I'm saying. It sounded like musical theater, which is, again, like he hails to that sort of uh, pop element here. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Then there was uh, the fourth song. Uh, we had Hey Yeah. This had a real say heavy. Yeah. Say Yeah. No. Excuse me. Say Yeah. That real heavy drum beat. Do you remember? There was like. Yeah. Doom, oh, yeah. Doom, doom. Right, right, like, right. Damn. This sort of big driving drum beat. It almost sounded uh, like, like something. You know, that's where you get a bit of that electronic influence from because that almost sounds like something out of an EDM song, you know? Yeah. He really wailed on that. And and in this point, I'm like, I am loving Tall, Tall Trees so Just hard. Just tearing it. Oh, oh yeah. He's yeah. killing it. And this one sounded like. Uh, Especially with the fact that the the flautist really like uh, was showcased in this one, uh, it sounded like the hustle to me. A little bit, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and I was said to I don't know if I said it to you or or one of the people next to me. I was like, this flautist slaps, mm. and I never thought I would say that sentence. Like, flautist. who slaps at flute? <laughs> this woman. Oh man, I wish we knew her name. My yeah, God, unfortunately, fucking killed it on the flute. Holy crap! And I know I'm not into that. You know, like a flute, I'm just like immediately turned mm. off. Like the Jethro Tull. Oh, I can't stand it. I don't oh, she was so good. She was so good. I uh, had a great falsetto in this one too. Yep. Uh, really showcased his range there. Uh, the fifth song t- uh, again. So I, I did not initially know what it was. James did because he knows this music a little better. Uh, which was uh, that was Honeybody. Honeybody. Yep. Uh, this was one of those songs I was talking about earlier when I talked about these multi-level harmonies. Where there, I was like, I counted. I was like, at least four vocals on this one. Mm. I just remember I was like, one, two, three, four vocals on mm. this. Just this beautiful, just powerful in-your-face wall of sound, which I am a huge sucker for. If you uh, listen to our last episode uh, of Jukebox the Ghost, and I talked about Fat Bottom Girls, which is mm. like one of the best examples of that. I absolutely love that sound oh and at this point he also said that this was his biggest new york city show to date which is neat so yeah, i felt we got really to be there for cool that. about yeah. being being a part of that um after they did Honeybody, which is again one of their more well-known songs so if you're a kishibashi fan of, of course you know that one they did a remix of Honeybody where it was kind of sped up mm. the solos on this one were fantastic i just feel like i'm just fawning and gushing but I there's just gonna be a lot of that listen these musicians are at the top of their game they're honestly, some of the best like, live i've yeah. ever seen listen um, i got I, I, I and that needs to be said like they're they're extremely talented i got my crotchetiness out earlier when i you know expressed a, a bit of my dismay with uh schmoopy folk um it, there's just not a lot a lot of that that's going to be happening in this section of the podcast because i, I Truly, like at this point in in the show, uh, by song six, I'm like, yep, this is one of the best concerts I've been to, and it, it might be in my top five now. I have to assess, but it might be, and it's not because at this point that the sound and the lights were like blowing my mind, the visual effects like we saw at Tame Impala and that sort sure. of thing. But it, it was about this was maybe the best musicianship that I have seen on stage, and and it may have to knock somebody else out of. Uh, their top five spot. Uh, I'm not quite sure who that is. Tough decision. Tough might, decision. Might be Chemical Brothers. Might be. I don't know. Got to sleep on it a little bit, though. You yeah. might have some recency bias going on here. I Yeah, that's true. But I listen, I've never seen anything like this. True, like, true. that's the thing. Like, I have never... Like, that was what it was like for me for Tame Impala. It was like, I've never seen anything like this live. There was such a... It, I was overwhelmed by the level of of ability. Um, Okay, and then we had uh, another song, and honestly, I really don't know what our seventh song was. Um, I was kind of checking out a a prior set list. Uh, 
I just can't say. Um, I don't know, but what I did mention about it, this song could have been Carry On Phenomenon, Ode to My Next Life, or Can't Let Go Juno. It was probably one of those three based on the prior set list. All I can say is that he had this beautiful Sam Smith-type falsetto at this point, and uh, uh, I liked it a lot. Um, Then at this point, he mentioned that he was working on that movie that you Mm. mentioned earlier, and this concert that we were at was going to be in it. It was being Oh, yeah, filmed. that's super... I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah, definitely yeah. we might be on camera there, so I'm excited to see that, that film come out soon. If you hear yeah. some dum-dum, yell, listen to your mother, if that makes the... doesn't the go on there, the cutting yeah. room floor. That was this idiot. Uh, and they took some pictures, too, at the end that, that very well may have... I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see if we made it Who on their Instagram. Who knows? But it was really cool to be a part of this uh, project that he feels so uh, passionate about and, um, yeah, I, I know he said it's about Japanese internment, but on sort of a larger issue, uh, he was talking about, like, his own immigration. Did, it say, did he say how old he was when he immigrated? No. Oh, it was a no, child, No, he was though. born here, but he just didn't Oh, uh, right, but his parents up. weren't. Yeah, his parents immigrated right. here. Right, so he said He that was born here, and then he didn't speak English until he was, like, six, I believe he said, something like that. R- okay, yeah, because I remember him saying that a lot about this movie, an overarching theme is about feeling left out and about being a minority, and yes, it definitely ties into uh, the Japanese internment camps that, that, that uh, we were talking about in, in the history, the very unfortunate history of that. Uh, in our country um but uh on top of that just sort of like his his own experience growing up um which led into uh the eighth song which was theme from jerome i'm not sure what jerome is but i'm guessing it was maybe a town he lived in or something yeah Um, it's just the name of a song on the album so but i guess the album is all is all songs that were created for this movie so maybe it'll make more sense when the movie drops right because also he in the lyrics he says something about how like now we're in jerome mm-hmm. so i just assume this was maybe a town that he lived in at one point i'm not sure but basically he he pre- he prefaced this b- song by saying you know it, it was about the when you when you come to a new country making those decisions about how much do we assimilate mm. do we teach our children english right away do we insist that our children uh, only speak English, you know, or do we focus on our native language? You know, um, we do that. See, that's a thing. That's that's a problem that I can't relate to. Mm. That's something that I've never known. And I have to be honest with you because I'm human. Um, it isn't something I've given a ton of thought to. Sure. Why would you? So yeah. it was really interesting to hear someone say, here, I, I went through this. And it wasn't in a sort of like finger wagging, like school. You know, yeah, it was just like, you, I appreciate that because so many of these musicians think they're a lot more important than they are. Right. And they're like, I have to tell you how to act and how to feel kind of thing. It was just and like, it no, wasn't. this is just my experience. And I wrote a song about it. And here right. you go. Yeah, that was the thing. It definitely didn't feel like uh, this is how you should think or like making people feel bad for being uh, born here and or white. But it was just like, this is what my experience was. This is maybe something you you people yeah. <laughs> haven't <laughs> thought about. And I'd like people to think about that. And I was like, well, that is something very good for us to think about, you know. Um, and so when I was talking earlier about how I was just initially just charmed by his energy and that sort of thing, now I liked him even more just for his candor and for be- not being afraid to sort of speak his mind and be like, 
this is my life experience. You know, I'm sorry if this topic makes you a little bit uncomfortable. Here's but, a song about but, it. Yeah, but this is important to me. I'm making a movie about it. I've written songs about it. And I don't know. I just appreciated the broader perspective. And uh, unlike the way I'm going on it right now, in a very succinct manner. Um, I just remember, like, yeah, this line, like, after today we speak the new or something mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, I, I don't know. I, I it just it was kind of uh, just a little bit of an eye opener for mm. me. I, I'm really intrigued by this movie that, that he's got coming out. Oh, and some of it was sung in Japanese. I, yep. I remember that. Um, and uh, the bass is switched to the banjo at that point. Right. Because yep. that's when it's all trees. Right. Now, after that, Kishibashi did a mini solo set. Mm. Pretty unexpected, too. He just stood up there with a violin. You know, uh, he would do a lot of like looping with it, which is something I've seen. Somebody like a Tash Sultana would do, or uh, um, totally drawn a blank. Anyway, well, I've who's seen that it one that you like? From Robert DeLong. Who's that That's one from I, New yeah. Zealand that you like that does that a lot? Tash Sultana. Is that her? Uh, Excuse them, me. I think something like that. Uh, Australia, maybe. Oh, I thought. Oh, but the person that you showed me the video of with yes. the dreads. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, but even more experimental, like playing around with, you know, playing a bit recording you know looping it like it's kind of recording it like right in front of us right, and then right, it, right. that track loops seen that before that's really cool. robert delong is who i was trying to think about before he, he does, does that on stage a lot too shout so, out robert delong listen to him if you haven't before i fucking love him so i'm not exactly sure when that happened in the solo set because i didn't write it down but it, did it happen right did he start doing that right from pretty the much pretty much yeah that was really cool i really like that because again this is a multi-instrumentalist so there would be some loop um on the violin, he he play a bit of violin, that's recorded. Now he loops it. Then he would do some vocals, and then then he loops that, and then he would get on the synth, and loop that. It was so freaking cool. Okay, we're just gonna just dive in. The first one that he did was a cover of the Talking Heads. This must be the place, which was gorgeous. Awesome, so good. Really unexpected and just a unique take on it too, which is cool. You know, I'm a big sucker for. Um, covers on that too mara i have to call you out though a little bit it took you a minute took her a minute to get it she didn't know what song was playing at first and i was surprised by that because mar has a sign that says this must be the place in her bedroom and so i was shocked sitting there like wait really you should have picked up on this immediately In my defense, listen, yeah, you weren't, yeah. I mentioned that huge kettle one pour, and that wasn't the first thing I drank that night. Uh, and again, I was really focused on getting when I knew this solo set was happening, and I started catching that looping. I was like, you know, nudging James and like, oh my god, get this on Instagram. And then I'm trying to record and da 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 da. And I really was not. And this happens sometimes. It's it's hard to cover a show and be truly focused and in the moment when you're also trying to like catch all these details and also write them down so you don't forget them later. Like I am chief note taker for every concert. That is the truth. I'm the one taking the notes and uh that's kind of what like well, that's for you though i don't well i think it helps guide the show person. though i really think so because sure. honestly i would have forgotten about the fact that we were part of that movie if i hadn't written it down so you know when all of that's going on and my thumbs are flying and 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 yeah i so i, I initially missed what was being covered and i was just like 
oh shit, you're right. Oh my God. Oh my God, that's happening. And I was like, and that's when I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just going to re- put yeah, it on put record. Shit down and, yeah. Put shit down and take in this. I need to have moments like that in concerts. Like I need to have moments where it's just, maybe I don't catch the details. Maybe but let I me can't. enjoy this for, for yeah, the next three minutes. Maybe I'm not going to be able to, to accurately convey this to the audience because I just can't write down what I'm thinking at the time. But I really need times where I can just take in what's happening in front of me and that's what I did and you guys it was really fucking good then uh he did a song another solo one called I am the Antichrist again if I wasn't already in love with this man uh he had this beautiful intro about how and he used the example of like being on the subway right mm. if all these different types of people in one space yeah there's a word for it I'm drawing a blank on what he said but it's like the idea is that you, uh, the uh, idea of the word is that it describes this feeling of like looking at somebody that you don't know and understanding that they also live like some sort of like rich life. Yes, there's a you word know? for that. And I there is. Let me see if I can Google it while you yeah, talk. Yeah, look it up. It's like part of that whole, you ever seen those series that people post on social media, like a bunch of words that you didn't know existed, and this was one of them. But yeah, it's this idea of recognizing the fact that the people around you all have these inner lives and these monologues, inner monologues, and these separate paths that they're going on, and separate agendas and reasons for being where they are and interacting with who they are and that sort of thing. Sonder. Yes. That's, That's what word, this song Sondra. is about. You guys, how fucking cool is it that someone wrote a song about Sondra? That is awesome. And how we can it like... plays it solo on a violin and it's really fucking good. And was it... See, I didn't catch the lyrics on this one, but was it called I Am the Antichrist because of some sort of... I, I am don't know, the Antichrist to you and basically the idea is that... An assumption that someone is bad that's not? I guess, but it's just like... Yeah, I don't, I don't know the entire thing behind the name. From what I picked up is it's sort of like you are living like a very rich, different life. So am I. And yet we have these thoughts in our minds that's like to you, I am like the worst thing possible. You know what I mean? But how am I supposed to know that? Oh, uh, here we go. Who are you? Who am I to you? I am the Antichrist to you. You know? Right. And I just think that that's a very... Uh, a very relevant song that resonated with me strongly given the sort of like current just socio-political like how sure. people interact that are on different sides of an issue and how we think that and listen there are evil people in the world there really are but i think a lot of the times maybe we st- we fall back on evil as a crutch before mm. fully examining why someone feels the way they feel. Because it's too easy to, and this guy actually wrote it's a song about it. It's very easy to. And, and listen, sometimes that is the conclusion. Sometimes people are just bad. Yeah, but you got to put in more work than just saying they're bad and that's in because they well, are. Well, that's what you know? I'm saying is that there are times when people are just bad. There are times when people are good and behave badly. Sure. You know? And it doesn't excuse that bad behavior. You know, sometimes like, hey, you know what? I knew you're usually a good person, but you're being really rude. I mean, listen, who who ran a block of the marathon today? Sure, you know? I right. Mean, I didn't hurt anybody, but it was like, in a way, it's it still was rude. Like, yeah, it's still in shitty. A, in a, I mean, was it? Do you think it was really shitty? No, I mean, but it's like, yeah. I mean, because you're I, right, nobody got hurt. I didn't hurt anybody. And I anyway, it's like the marathon. It's like they got to expect this is gonna fucking happen. People still people need to cross the street. People have emergencies. Yeah. And people listen, still need to cross the street. I could have been that person that just tried to dart across like an asshole. Right. You know what I'm saying? But just you know, maybe to somebody else. 
what I did was some sort of grave offense. Right. I have Somebody no else, idea, you're the antichrist to them. But I know I've had moments where I just, you know what I mean? Like rubbed a person the wrong way. And I am a good person, but... The son, the, what is it called, Sonder? Sonder. It's it's a it's a good thing to consider, and I and I and on top of this, so he he gave that intro, and I, and I like that. I, I like that he uh, was willing to entertain writing a song on this topic, um, and he sang falsetto in this again, and this time he sounded just like a choir boy. It was like angelic. Uh, he played a lot with electronic sounds in this one as well. Uh, again, with that his looping, vocals, yeah. sounded almost like, for a lack of a better way of describing it, like melodic raindrops. And mm. then there was this harmony to his violin. Lovely, lovely, lovely. After the solo set, the band came back on, and when they did, the first thing they did was this uh, musical bromance called banjo violin improv, which Kishibashi did with Tall Tall Trees. The best part of the show, I'm going to say it. Was that your favorite? Purely musicianship-wise, fuck yes. If it's two people that are just top of their game, near virtuoso level on their instruments, just going off each other and having, like, clearly having a really good time and doing something impressive. Yeah, that was cool. That was really cool. Yeah, just seeing these two guys in, in, engage in this way, it was like I felt a little bit of jealousy to where I was like, yeah, I wish wow, I, could I do wish, that. I wish I had that with someone. You know what I mean? Uh, to, to create something like that with another person, you know, to have that level of talent, to play with someone who has an equal level of talent. I would say he's probably more musically talented than Kishibashi overall. Like it just, Oh yeah. You know, this guy is like, but you know, but, but Kishibashi brings so much to the table because he's such an, he creative, he cre- yeah, he's creative and he, he, you know, he, he generates such, such interesting riffs and that sort of thing. So these two were very well matched. It was beautiful to see them play together. And that kind of dynamic is like something that, is really uh, you don't really find in any other type of kind of relationship other than a creative one honestly when you can play off each other that way and when it's music which is an inherent like endorphin effect on the brain i can only imagine how damn good it must feel to really rip like that on stage together yeah to have a moment like that with another person so you know that was what we call i don't know what is it when you're happy for someone for being happy is there a word for that not that i know of. Yeah, yeah. i know with a couples it's called compersion but that's not quite right here but uh i was very happy to see them so happy and in the moment and and just to be able to witness that um then he did some beatboxing which was yeah cool. that was, was weird like, oh that's an, cool uh, apparently that's another thing that kishibashi does huh who knew and he wasn't too bad at it either then we had Q and A. Uh, this was a song that he said was about love and friendship and the murky, um, the murkiness between them. I mm. think, like the how did he put it, the balance or the I can't remember exactly the word that he used. It was maybe, something along those maybe lines. Maybe it was like though, yeah. uh, blurred, the blurred lines or something mm. like that between those two things. By blurred lines, by what we mean is like um, not confusion, not level. not in terms of lack of consent. Uh, <laughs> Robin. <laughs> That's Robin. No. For the record, if I don't like Robin Thicke, it's not so much blurred lines as it is tippy tippy toes. Oh, God. <laughs> you've never heard that song. Oh, God. Don't look it up. Shoot me. <laughs> Avoid it. That was his biggest offense. Um, anyway, this was, uh, Q&A was a sweet little folksy song, and he busted out the ukulele for this, which is apparently another thing. Now, 
is this so i don't know if you noticed it it was around this time and i believe it was this song where one of the ladies next to us was crying during it which one you didn't notice that then huh? this song I believe it was this one or or, or one. I did not you see didn't that. Notice it. I think it was this one, and it has to be said, you know, she seemed embarrassed about it, but good music will do that to you. So, you know, uh, something that's moving and powerful to you to see live and actually have that kind of reaction. It was kind of nice to see, honestly, that, that, that this kind of music was, like, affecting somebody to that point. So, Well, Kishibashi will play songs that will move you just sure. in terms of the music alone and then on top of that you've got lyrics that thematically are inherently about pain sure you know and pain that you know it's something that like a lot of people could probably relate to it at some point or another i i am sure that i I wasn't really paying much attention to the crowd but i'm sure that there were other songs like who knows? Affected others, you know, sure. maybe like that—the one that I was talking about earlier, uh, theme from Jerome about you know being a minority and feeling like you don't fit. Like there, ha- I'm sure someone was um, well pun- pun- punched one, yeah. in the feels for yeah. that. So Q and A, you know, being about that sort of uh, you know blurred lines and, and lack of uh, clarity uh, on love and friendship. I I can. I can understand why someone would tear up for that, and and it because it wasn't just the lyrics itself, but it was the way that it was sung. Sure. So sure, I get it. Um, and then uh, we had violin tsunami, which is gorgeous. It just kicks off as an instrumental. It's mm. really. I keep saying the words "lovely" and "gorgeous." I don't know. What there's not no better way to put it. This though, is like you last know? week, no. and I was like, "This was a happy little tune." Um, I need better adjectives. Then he had a song called Angeline, which he said was this. I like this. He like tells you the name of the song. He's like, and this is what it's about, you know? Yeah. And not everybody does that. And sometimes when they do it, it's like, we don't give a fuck. Just play your song. But when oh, it's like I somebody like who's really creative like this, and you know, there's like something behind it and they're not just being pretentious. Then it's, it's really cool. Like the mountain goats yeah. did that. And that was like really cool to like hear a little bit about the thought process. I love some know? songs about like, honestly, like going back to, you know, I'm rewinding a bit, but going to, um, Cicada rhythm. Cicada rhythm. Cicada rhythm, where they were like, this is a song about their dogs. It put it in a different context for me because I would not have picked up on that just listening to the lyrics. But now that I knew it was about the dogs, I was like, oh my God, that is, that is, that is really sweet. (laughs) It is really sweet. I was like, okay, come on, Marlia, for all your jadedness, that's really sweet. So, yeah, when he gives this sort of uh, context to the songs, I listen to them a bit differently. And I'm sure he wants people to understand the context quite often. So that's why he does that. And it's very much appreciated. Anyway, the song is very powerful. It almost had. I remember turning to you and I was like, what is this sound? What is it? And I was like, it sounds like an old Irish drinking song, but I don't know that that's quite right. I don't know. You really can't box Kishibashi in. He's really sure. hard. You just can't. Yeah. He's just all over the place. I don't know. It's what, yes, do you, do you it's remember, all of those. Do you remember this song? Yeah, of course. Um, I don't remember it. When you said yes, you mean yes as an affirmative, not yes as in the band, right? Because I don't think it sounded like no, yes no, no, the no, band. No, 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 Not like yes the band. It was not. It was not it prog had, It felt kind of proggy, but. At times, but I I don't re- I remember turning to him being like what what is this genre? Almost like operatic, you know, on top of it all. It was just it was tough I to try like, and figure out. It was like sounding like an Irish drinking song, but like see that I can't name it. Tough, right? My, yeah, I yeah. I can't put my finger on it. Uh, it sounded like a drinking song. That's what I'm going with. 
um, which is completely different to anything he'd done. And then he decided to go into an even more different place where I don't know what this song was called, and I think it may have just been an intro to the next song. Mm. This woman comes out in a hooded cloak, and she's singing opera, which we've not seen any of that yet in this show, but he just figured he needed to cover everything. Yeah, he's just like, fuck it. Let's, Let's bring that out here. To me, it sounded very new wave crossed with Evanescence, but mm. you said it sounded like Blondie. I thought it sounded like Blondie. I thought I thought the music beneath it felt very uh, disco-y, too. It sounded like Heart of Glass to me. It really did. That's the first thing that came to mind is when I when I heard it and her singing on, on, over it all. I'm like, yeah, this feels like Heart of Glass to me. Well, okay. So, yes, I was hearing a bit of a uh, disco beat uh, along with that opera, but I was also getting touches of new wave and what we might call what we might call i'm gonna probably have to edit this section out because my phone won't load and i'm trying to look up um oh i don't know like a almost like metal in a way sure um like the kind of metal where you hear that those those operatic vocals okay now now and then that 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 happens um anyway so then he goes into philosophize it chemicalize it um Philosophize it, chemicalize with it. Yeah, philosophize, Ph- philosophize in it, in it chemicalize, chemicalize in, in it, it with it. With it. All right, tough name, but good song. Okay, um, this one that was a mouthful. That's why I sighed, not because anything to do with the song. I loved it. It's a banger. There's some real solid violin work in there, and it's a crowd pleaser. Um, the next one we had was Atticus in the Desert, which was almost like a Native American sounding track, which is holy fuck. Sure. I was like, what does this guy not do? Yeah, like just literally really just bringing in influences do? from everything. It was impressive. Um, he did like uh, the sort of the longer jam at the end there too, which I'm always a sucker for. You know, a long jamming outro that's almost. Got I remember that. that. Well, yeah, he did. He he let everybody have their moment there. First, I remember the, this is when the banjo was started to use his banjo for percussion, mm-hmm. which I've never which seen. was super cool. He had a mallet. Uh, oh, and the designs on that banjo too. You remember that? Yeah, it had a light behind it. It looked like a rave banjo. Isn't it, it's so yes. weird that that's what came to mind for me, but yeah, it looked like it looked like a rave band, yo. But yeah, this song was was where there was a lot of soloing um, with the uh, the flutes and the banjo jam. Then we had a fun moment, um, a cover of "I've Had the Time of My Life." Sure, yeah, came out of absolute left field, honestly. You know what I, else came out of left field? What's that? The female vocalist dressed as a piece came of steak. Right back on, yeah, dressed as a steak. That. But that's a little understood. No, she, it makes sense. Don't don't say why uh-huh. yet. But she came on there, and I'm like, oh, they're about to play this song, which yeah. is why I'm saying this came out of left field, because instead of me getting the song that I expected them to play, they just they fucking start covering. I've had the time of my life. If, <laughs> you, did, if you didn't know this group and you didn't know their songs, which I didn't, mm. you'd be like, why the fuck did they just bring a woman out to sing the Jennifer? What was her name? Bill Medley, the Jennifer, Jennifer Warnes, 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 part for I've had the time of my life. I don't know. You should check out our Instagram. We definitely have a clip of that in the highlight section uh, of our stories. But um, so this person's out here singing as a stake. And I really had to give her credit because um, she was able to get the microphone up into the little mouth hole and then they gave her a guitar to fake play on, which was kind of funny because mm. she had big, goofy, like, you know, costume character gloves mm. on, those, like, big, white, fat things. And, uh, yeah, it was just a really fun moment, really fun cover. It's a great song. It's just a great song. Mm. And it just, it, he was having a good time. The energy was high. It was just, 
such a blast. Uh, then, of course, well, the steak thing makes sense when the next song you play is ball- The Ballad of Mr. Steak, which is a favorite of James. Love it. My favorite song. Right? That's the, that is the one that I discovered first because it was on some playlist. I'm like, what the fuck is this song about a fucking steak? And, and that's, for those who don't know, it's, I swear to God, it's a song about a steak being delicious. And that's just Kishi Bosh will write that sometimes. And I'll be damned if it's not a great fucking song, too. It's danceable. It's endlessly sing-alongable. Like, it's just so much fun, so good. And so that's what I was saying. Where it's like, I see this lady come on just as a steak. I'm like, sick. The one song, you know, everybody, you go to a concert, and especially if they're touring on a new album, you're still like, well, all right, I know I'm going to hear a bunch of new songs, but I really hope they still play, like, this song from their first album or something like that. That was a song that I came there hoping for, and I got to see it. So that was neat. That was good, thankfully. You know, every now and then that, that doesn't happen. We saw Bombay Bicycle Club a couple weeks ago. They didn't play the Hill Bummer. I would have really liked to see that live, you know, but it happens. Uh, yeah, so I mean, this just further uh, was a further example uh, illustrating how Kishibashi really just covers so much in his music, and that's why that he's so difficult to to pin down and really categorize and say, well, he plays this, mm-hmm. uh, because you know, for someone that can write about grave matters uh, such as, uh, like I said, like you know, do do we or do we not teach insist that our child speak only English or whatever and to, to writing about a steak? Uh, that is awesome because that's a human experience. Not everything is heavy mm. and not everything is bullshit light. I could, listen, if I was at Kishibashi's level, I could probably write a whole song about uh, Churrascaria Plataforma. Oh, hell yeah. Or what's the <laughs> other one? For what? The Brazilian Steakhouse. Fogo de Chao. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I could write a song about that. But yeah, sometimes sometimes life is about heavy things that hurt your heart. Sometimes things are about heavy things that elate you. And sometimes you're just mildly annoyed. And sometimes you're just pleased by something very simple like Mm. a steak. Like, you know, the human experience has a huge range. Yeah. And uh, this covers and it. And should be, it should be written about. I don't think I heard a song about Kishibashi that was negative but mild, like, oh, I stubbed my toe. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I want to mm-hmm. hear, I bet you he eventually will write a song like that. Just like, sure. Just like the, about the trains being late. Just uh-huh. something, something negative, but it's like not a big deal. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? It'd be kind of funny. Because he's, 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 he's re- probably got the mind for it, too, making something creative about it. Big deal good and big deal bad. And he's yeah. written like small deal good. I want to hear a small deal bad. Uh, that I'm gonna put that request in. Um, okay, and then the next song. Insert it here because I screwed up the song title. It all began with a verse. That's the song. Pretty good fucking way to end a set, gotta say. This song, crazy energy. There's a huge build up to it. I've never heard this recorded version of the song, so I'm not sure if this build up exists in the actual uh, studio track. But uh, it was fantastic. It almost sounded like K-pop to me. A little bit, right? Da-da-da. Yeah, yeah. That you know, almost gets that feeling. Very there. S- just light and fun and silly, and I I, I, I felt so good about it. Um, and uh, then we got a bit of confetti lights, mm. you know, not a huge burst of it, but just like a little bit onto the audience. And then uh, what was the significance of the puppet that he had? It was like a pelican. But yeah, so he had this puppet and it's like a wooden, like a flat 
thing and and it had a handle and the bur- and the wings would flap and then he just dove out into the crowd and crowd surfed and you know what i loved about that is like i feel like most times where i've seen uh artists crowd surf they're like okay you guys i'm gonna crowd surf so you better catch me you remember like the girl that did it that opened yeah. for bombay bicycle club it was like everyone get ready kishi bashi didn't do any of that yeah, he, he just, just climbed went. out there yeah i just climbed up there and went he's just great. like well yeah. whatever happens happens there was no warning there was no get ready guys or i'm nervous about this he just went out and you know what? Everyone carried him. Group Love did talk, that too. Do you remember that a couple years ago? I do, but yeah. they're kind of, I don't know he if he's. dove into the crowd too. That was cool. It's just, it, there is something very ballsy about just going, fuck it. I'm going in. Catch me. Talk about you know? a trust exercise. Oh my God. I really respected that. Um, and at this point, yeah, I really, this was uh, my favorite song of the set personally. I know you, you were, uh, uh, you favor the banjo uh, violin. Time, yeah. Um Oh, what was that called again? The solo one. Right, but the banjo, improv. I have violin improv. For me, it was this song. It just was the perfect um, mix for me of uh, lights and fun and happy and poppy and accessible, but also with this like level of uh, musicianship that's you know really like uh, unparalleled in terms of any shows that I've seen in recent times. I don't remember the last time I was this impressed by uh, musicianship. Maybe Greta Van Fleet. Sure. Probably yeah. the last time that I, I, I had that, that level of being impressed. But even then, Greta Van Fleet is like this very concise unit. And it's like, this is the type of music we play. Whereas these people are playing s- such diverse instruments sure. that you yeah. normally wouldn't put together. And they're making it work. And playing with, instru- a, with a pretty big range of influences, too. Because there yes. was a moment where it's like, we're going to do slap bass and it's going to get real funky here. And there's moments where it's classical. There's moments where it's... All kinds of shit is going on there, and they're able to make it work with all these different uh, musical instruments. And that tells you that it's a a talent that these musicians have, that they're able to jump between genres like this and blend them together, too. And and even even including an instrument that I normally don't like, the flute. Yeah. I was like, now I like it. At least I like when she does it. Right, right, right. Um, But yeah, so yeah, the the slap bass thing, that that was a a highlight of this uh, final song uh, in the set. That was Tall Tall Trees again. Tall Tall Trees, right, on the the uh, slapping that bass and uh was it his parents that were in the audience or yeah Kishibashi? i forgot about that that's right that. he did he mentioned that his parents were in the audience how proud yeah how proud they, must they, they be? better be yeah good god um so yeah so it was it was that balance of like i said like light pop fun but also with like the complexities of uh of craftsmanship and and soloing and that sort of thing but still not coloring too far outside the lines to where it was like a jam to where they're wandering into strange places like they were they were definitely staying within the key they were playing in that sort of thing and uh that combined with just what was going on in terms of um uh you know, just showmanship, you know, right. him jumping out and the confetti coming down and, you know, the 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 level of which they, we were right in front of the, the tall, tall trees, as it were. And uh, his level of enthusiasm, he's a very physical player. You mm. know, he's, he's, he's really moving and that kind of thing. And for a big guy like that, by big, I don't mean, he's not, not like a an obese man, but he's just very tall mm. and very easy. Like David he's Harbour built. type. Yeah, yeah. He's a big guy and he really he can move, you know. And uh, all of it coming together like that was just like the perfect storm for me. Um, now, there was an encore, uh, ostensibly, but we, uh, for various reasons, um, didn't stay. Needing no. to be somewhere else and also having to use a bathroom. We didn't uh, catch the encore. So, apologies if you were at this show and uh, you were like, but what about that? Well, 
we can't cover that. Yeah, we, 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 we really we weren't there. Unfortunately, we had to we had to leave by then. Um, Didn't realize the show was going to be that long. It was a very I'm long. Not gonna show. lie, yeah, because uh, counting just the base set was twenty three songs right then and there, give or take, uh, probably. Yeah. Um, and then well, they went on at what nine thirty or ten? N- just after nine. No, I'm sorry. No, that was when the they opener came went on. on about ten. Okay, yeah. so ten and like eleven thirty. So yeah, they must have yeah. played like Pretty close long to show. two hours yeah. if we had been able to stay. Um, that wraps up that show. Yep. All right. So, uh, since we, well, actually real quick, we got to come up with a Twitter question. I don't oh, quite have yeah, one. Oh yeah, we really do. I don't have one that I pulled out of my ass this time. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we're definitely gonna have to do some editing here because we're going to have some pauses because we're not quite sure. Cause like usually these kind of come up organically. Yeah. I don't think we, I don't think we really, had one this time. And, and you're usually very, Oh, Oh, I got one. Shoot. What is an instrument that you normally disliked, but there was a musician out there? You're going to have to phrase this better, mm. but the gist of it is what is a, is, is a particular uh, instrument or style that you disliked and some artist got you to change your mind about it? Like, mm, fair enough, yeah, or you saw it, yeah, there's an exception who to was the an rule exce- yeah, Who was an exception to the rule of an instrument or style that you normally dislike. Right. Who's the exception to the rule? I don't there know if you you've ever had a moment like that. I'm trying to think. No, I can't really come up. Is there Maybe an a mandolin. The thing is, is I don't You're really care for the mandolin, okay. but if somebody's really good at it, then sure, I'm still like like the dude from upstate. You know, oh, that guy's you should hear Chris Tile from yeah. Bunch Brothers. Okay, maybe I'll check that out. So that's yeah, the mandolin. It's not can, something I go crazy, but the thing is, is like, instrument. I don't have the animosity to it like you do towards a flute. Yeah, that I'll never fully understand. Is there a genre for Jethro you Tull's or a type good. of music that you normally dislike, but someone proved to be an exception to the rule? I mean, there's like a handful of rappers out there that I like more than I generally like rap. You know what I mean? There's certain guys that that do more for me, sure. But no, because the thing is, is like I don't. I wouldn't say that. No. Well, Outside you know of that, what? we'll figure exactly out how we're gonna phrase this off the mic. But the the uh, the general idea here is exception to the rule. Yeah. So we're gonna post that question. Give us a musical g- exception g- to the rule. Yeah, give us a musical exception to the rule for you. Something that you normally didn't like and and but there is that one person that does it where you're like, well when you do it, then it's good. Right. Okay. All right. So uh with that we gotta close out by saying follow us on Instagram, Twitter and look for us on Reddit at High Decibels Pod for clips, picks, discussions and more. Also look for us on Spotify, SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts and subscribe, follow, rate and review please. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we will see you next week. Peace.